Hey, CCC, my name is Andy, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And joining me this weekend for announcements is my good buddy, Caleb. We are excited to be here with you guys. Um, one thing for you to know is that this is the first weekend in March, and so that means it's a communion weekend. So if you're watching at home, go ahead and go and grab some juice and crackers, some combination like that, and get ready to join us for a communion moment during the service today. Hey, if you're new, I would love for you to go ahead and get connected with us. If you are here in person, go ahead and stop by the welcome desk. We have a connection card that you can fill out, and we have some little gifts and goodies that we can give to you after that. Um, if you are online watching, there is a connect button that you go ahead and can click. That way you can fill out all the information and we can get connected with you right away. If you are looking for prayer and you are watching online, we have a request prayer button that you can go ahead and press. That way there is online hosts that can get connected with you right away if you're looking for prayer. One of the things we're doing as a church right now is we're going through a new series called Vision that we've started this past couple weeks where we're walking through our church's vision statement, which is to be a church of generous people who honor Jesus by loving each other and serving our neighbors. And one of the ways that we can be a church of generous people is through giving. And so if you're interested in giving, you can text CCC Rochester to 77977. Or if you're watching online, you can even click the give link on your screen. And as always, if you're with us for services in person, you can take your offering and put it in the offering boxes at the back of the auditorium on your way out the door. Also, Andy, an awesome way that your giving impacts what we get to do here is we get to send people on missions. One of the great opportunities that we have for our families here at Christ Community Church is that we get to send a team of families to Sisseton, South Dakota every single year. This trip allows for us to help impact the community that is there. This trip will run from July 27th to August 1st. And we have a live Zoom meeting this Thursday, March 11th, for more information. If you have any questions, go ahead and hit up Dave Allen at dallen at cccrochester.org. Right on, Caleb. And one of the opportunities I'm particularly excited about when it comes to missions is our impact student mission trip that's coming up this summer that's open to current 8th through 12th graders and it will be in Black Mesa, Arizona, which is a Navajo reservation. Uh, we're going to be down there from June 26th through July 4th and I am super excited about it uh, just to see what God is going to do on that trip. The sign-up due date for that trip is next Sunday, March 14th. And so parents, if your students are interested in that trip, please, please sign them up in enough time for them to be signed up and then you'll get an application back for your student to fill out and turn into me by that Sunday. So please sign up with enough time for your student to be able to do that. I'm super excited to see who God brings to that team and what we're going to get to do while we're down there. If you have any questions at all, please email me at albert at cccrochester.org and we'll see what God is going to do. I'm super excited. Uh, now we have the opportunity to step into our service. And so uh, we're going to be worshiping God with our praise. We're going to be learning about him and his word. Uh, so won't you join us in stepping into the service this weekend to see what God is going to do in our lives. You all want to stand with us as we worship this evening. God, we come to give you praise, sing and proclaim your promise. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, 
Sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. Brokenness and pain is all I know. No, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Sing it out. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. Let's proclaim the shame no longer has place to hide, and I am not a captive to the lies, and I'm not afraid to leave my past behind, knowing I won't be shaken, no I won't be shaken, we proclaim that my fear doesn't stand a chance when I
bow your head and close your eyes with me? You are the Lord. Jesus, we um, thank you for looking at us and loving us, for, for being our shepherd, for being our savior, being our life, for being our light, for being help, for being hope, for being our peace. You have given everything to us. And so in these moments we offer ourselves to you. And we want to say yes to what you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our community. And say yes to what you have for us, what you're calling us to. You are the Lord. So our answer to you is yes. In Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. You guys who are here can have a seat. Hey, can we say thank you to this worship team for leading us in worship today? Hey, and while you're, um, while you're clapping there, those of you who are here in person, can you, um, can you greet our online church community too? Let's uh, say welcome to them. Thank you, sir. Well, it's good to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm really excited for this time together. Let me just say to you, this is a beautiful weekend, and whether you're here in person or whether you're online, you could be doing a lot of other things, and you have chosen to engage with God, and you've chosen to engage with your church and to invest in your spiritual life. I just Way to go for you guys who are here and who are part of this. I'm really, really thankful that we get to do this together. I love being at church with people who wanna be here, and I love engaging in church family with people who wanna be part of it, so it's really good to be with you guys. We're in, this, um, we're in this series that we have called Vision, and what we're doing is we're just, we're talking for five weekends, so last weekend was one, this weekend is two, we're talking for five weekends about the vision statement of our church. We believe God's given us a, an idea of what he wants us to become over the next three to five years, and it falls in line with our mission statement and uh, it really has bubbled up through the congregation. This was the work. Of a, this was the result of a lot of work that that you as a church did over several years. So those of us who are newer, like we we didn't get to be part of that base work, but we kind of get to jump into the stream of what God is doing. What the people who have been part of this church for a long time recognize that God is doing. We're really excited to get to be part of that. And so last week we talked about being a church as the first. You know the first phrase of our vision is that we would be a church, and, and there's a lot of biblical and theological weight to that idea of being a church, and so if you weren't part of that service last week, I'd really encourage you to go back and watch it online. I mean, I think it'll be helpful for you when you think about, because we can't just be anything we want. We're a church, and that means something biblically. So this week, I want to talk to you about the next phrase of our vision statement to be, a, we're, we want to be a church of generous people. And so I wanna talk with you about becoming generous people and what that looks like for us individually and what that could look like for us corporately and really to kind of lean into the why this weekend. I wanna lean into the why with you that being generous 
would be important to us. And so what we're gonna do is look at, uh, look at a couple of Bible verses together and talk through the importance of those things. And then um, we're gonna end our time together by taking communion. So I'm really, I'm really excited and really thankful that we get to do this together today. So here's, here's what I would say as we, we talk about our, our vision statement and generosity. Here's where I think the Lord is, is asking, inviting, encouraging us as individuals and also as a church. This is what I, this is what I, I believe he's inviting us towards. To be, to be people whose why for giving is worship. Now, there's a lot of reasons to give, and, and not all of us give to the church or to God's work or to, but, but I'm gonna call us as a church that all of us, if you say Christ Community is your church, that giving ought to be part of your life, financial giving ought to be part of your life, and your why for that, I would say, is, is worship. And, and again, there's a lot of reasons that people give. Some people give out of a sense of obligation or a sense of duty. Maybe, and I don't know what your, your church background is. I, I grew up in church, and a lot of, a lot of years of, of giving for me was out of a sense of like, well, I'm supposed to. And typically it was because somebody stood on a stage like this and said, you're supposed to give, and so since I'm supposed to, I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to. And so sometimes you could give from, you know, from somebody, they've, they've laid that obligation on you. And whether that's giving at church or whether that's you know, somebody rings the bell in your neighborhood and says, hey, we got a neighbor who's, need, like there are different ways that people put a sense of obligation on us to give. And sometimes we, sometimes we give because we see a need. Okay, so there's, there's a need over there and I can see it and it tugs on my heart in some way, or I'd like to fix that need in some way, and so we give to help you know, bring some resolution to that, and so that giving because you see a need, is, that's a good reason to give. I mean, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard the stewardship word, and um, churches will have stewardship weekends, love stewardship talks, we have stewardship resources, and stewardship is probably, in a church anyway, if you talk to somebody about giving, it's, it's this idea that, that everything belongs to God and he has entrusted resources to me and so I'm a good steward or I'm a good manager of those resources and so stewardship giving is like, that's, that's one of the main reasons that, that Christian church people give is stewardship and I think that's a good reason. So any, anytime you're giving, I'm, again, I'm not throwing rocks at any of these other reasons that people have for giving but what I would offer to you is this idea that that generosity flows from your why, your reason for giving actually being an act of worship. So it's not about spiritual growth, it's not about stewardship as much as it is, it's about I'm in relationship with this God who is worthy of all and the reason that I give is, is an act of worship to him. And so if, if I could, I wanna spend the next little bit just kinda unpacking this idea for us because it might be new to some of us that this idea that, that your financial giving would actually be an act of worship more than responding to a need or out of a sense of obligation or even being a good steward of the resources that God had given you, it could be an act of worship to you. So I wanna start by giving you a couple of definitions. The first one is just the definition of this word 
generous. And this is straight out of the dictionary of Bible themes, so it's just a basic um, Bible student resource. So generous is the free and liberal bestowal of wealth, possessions, or food upon others. And I think you ought to kind of look at those first couple of words there, the free and liberal bestowal. Because you could, you could bestow wealth, possessions, or food upon other people in a way that really isn't generous, that it's kind of stingy or it's holding back or it's like, I wish I didn't have to do this. But generosity is a free and liberal giving, wealth, possessions, or food on other people. Now, sacrificial, this word sacrificial lays right next to generous. It just, it, those two have to go together to get to generosity. And um, the best definition I've ever heard of sacrificial giving is from Craig Groeschel, who's the pastor of Life Church. And I heard this years and years ago, and it has impacted me. He says, sacrifice is giving up something we love for something that we love even more. And, and so as we talk about generosity, sacrifice always goes with generosity. And if we're going to be people who are sacrificing, it's really helpful to think about, I'm giving up something that I love for something that I love even more. So this idea of being generous is connected to generous and sacrificial giving. Now, let me say this, this is the first like, main point I wanna tell you tonight. So God's love language is generous and sacrificial giving. That's God's love language, is generous and sacrificial giving. This is how, this is how God says and hears, I love you. So just think with me about a couple of different verses in the Bible. The first is the Gospel of John, chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He loved, so he gave, and this gift that he gave was a sacrificial gift. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Romans chapter five, verse eight, this isn't on your screens, but in Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God says I love you, is by generous and sacrificial giving. Now here, here's another verse for you in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. I wanna read this to you. I think it's on the screens, but this is, this is the verse that, that I hold on to for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Like this, is, this is, he was under no obligation, no compulsion. There's nothing about you or me that put him in any kind of position where he had to do this. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, and what the Bible tells us is Jesus is the son of God and he is God the son. And his position in heaven is at the right hand of God. And all of heaven and earth belongs to him and as, is at his disposal. And so the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake, for, for your sake, 
Yet for your sake, he became poor. Philippians chapter two tells us that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That it, that it did not cross his mind that he should hold on to the wealth and privilege of being God. For your sake, he became poor, and that poverty looks like he left the position and the privilege and the wealth of being the Son of God and God the Son at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he descended to this world that you and I live in, and he became one of us. So he, he came to our world, this place, and was born a baby in a manger, took on flesh and blood, and, and grew up and was subject to all the things that you and I are subject to. He was, he was sick, he was mistreated by people who lived in his town, he was, like all the things that come with being a human being, he experienced all those things. The Son of God and God the Son, whose, whose rightful place is at the right hand of God in heaven, he was rich for our sake, he became poor, he came and walked a mile in our shoes. He became one of us, and Philippians 2 tells us not did he just descend to become one of us, what he actually did was he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, which is something that you and I will all experience, but he, as God, was not obligated in any way to experience, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. So not only was he willing to become human like us, but to enter into death and not just to enter into like a dignified end to his earthly life, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, which is the lowest and cruelest form of death. He, he was executed as a criminal. So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich because he entered into death, death on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin. He entered into, he became poor so that you and I could receive the spiritual riches that, that comes with being in relationship, being united to Jesus. I mean, when you, when you just kind of walk it all the way down, <laughs> God's love language is generous and sacrificial giving. He, he loves you and he loves me in such a way that he gave his son. Jesus loves you and he loves me in such a way that he sacrificed the riches of God and God the Son and position of right hand the Father to come and become human and enter into death at the lowest, most humbling way because he loves you and because he loves me. God's, God's love language is generous, sacrificial giving and you and I are people who have experienced that, that he has, he has given to us and, and not only is generous sacrificial giving the way he gives love, it's also the way that he receives love. 
from his people. Your love language is it's a two-way communication. So when, when you're saying I love you to the Lord, one of the primary ways he hears I love you from us is through generous sacrificial giving. I have a friend named Bruce Johnson who says you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And that's just because God's, God's love language is generous and sacrificial giving. So we're, we're the kind of people, we're the church that wants to be generous people, which means that generous and sacrificial giving is, is part of who we are. And so I wanna, this is the second thing I want us to grab onto today. The first thing is that God's love language is generous sacrificial giving. The second thing is every time we give, we give to the Lord. So I, just, I would like you to think about that from, from a giving standpoint. When you give or when I give, every time we give, we give to the Lord. And this is, just, this is true in a couple of ways. The first is because most of us that give, Christian people that give, a lot of our giving goes to the church. So if you think about giving to the church and you think about, hey, I'm giving to the church or I'm giving because the leadership asked or I'm giving because I see this need, that's fine, but I think there's a, there's a different way to think about this is I am giving to the Lord. And the reason you're giving to the Lord, we talked about this last week, church is Jesus's bride. And he loves his bride with a fierce, devoted love. He, he provides for and he protects and he cares for and he nurtures and he calls his bride forward. And, and so when you give to the church, you are actually giving to Jesus's bride. And just for me, when I think about that, I can't, you can't disconnect the bride from the groom. And so when you give to support, to help, to nurture Jesus's bride, you are giving to him. He cares deeply for his bride. And so when you give to the church, you're giving to Jesus's bride. And so that's a gift to him. When you give to somebody who's in need, you think about some of the other ways that we give. When you give to somebody who's in need, Jesus said this, it's in Matthew chapter 25. He says, and this is, we've looked at this verse several times over the last year. He said, but truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When you give to the poor, when you give to the vulnerable, when you give to the marginalized, what Jesus says is Jesus says, when you, when you give to them, you're actually giving to him. And so we have this truth statement that when we give, every time we give, we give to the Lord. And it's not just a truth statement. I would say to you what this is, is it's a liberating perspective. If you want freedom in your giving, to think of yourself as when I'm giving is an act of worship, everything I give, no matter where it goes, I'm giving it to the Lord. So that allows me to give to our church without worrying about, well, do I like the people who are in charge or do I like the direction of things right now or are they spending it wisely or like if you're, all those different things that run through our minds when we give to a church or when we give to another organization not advocating foolish giving. I'm just saying when you, when you give to the Lord, there's this freedom that comes with, I am giving to Jesus. And this person or this organization that I am giving this gift, this love gift to Jesus to, I'm giving it to Jesus 
and someday he's going to, like, that's gonna be between him and them, what they do with that. As far as it goes between me and the Lord, I'm worshiping him, I'm loving him through my gift. And so we have this tremendous freedom that comes for you and for me by being able to just give to the Lord without regard for, okay, now what are they gonna do with it and they're gonna use it wisely? Like just, I give it to the Lord and it becomes between the Lord and whoever I gave to because when we give, we, we always give to the Lord. So I wanna show you, I wanna show you an act of giving. It's one of the first, actually, acts of giving in the Bible. And this, this act of giving and this little section of scripture that I'm gonna show you has, has radically transformed my thinking and my approach to this subject of, of generosity, of being a generous person, of giving as an act of worship. It's in Genesis chapter 14. And I kind of feel bad about jumping in towards the end of a story here, but we don't have time to cover the whole thing. But so Abraham, who's gonna be known as Abram, in these verses I'm getting ready to read, Abraham has just gone off. His, his nephew was captured by some bad guys and he took his army and he went and rescued them and he's come back, right? So if we can just kind of say all that, starting in chapter 14, verse 17, after Abram returned from de defeating Keterlomer and the kings allied with him, the bad guys. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that's King's Valley. And then, this is where we get into, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So this is, this. you may look at that and say, why in the world did that change the way you give? So let me just kind of flesh some of this out here. So Abram, Abraham, uh, he is the father of people of faith. So if you're a person of faith in Jesus, Abraham is your father. He is, he is first and unique in the scriptures as person who responded to God in faith with obedience and received, he was declared to be righteous because of his faith. So he's the father of people of faith. So he, he meets this guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. And Melchizedek is king of a place called Salem, or you might recognize the Jewish word for that, the pronunciation shalom, peace. So the father of our faith meets the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And this king of righteousness and peace offers to our spiritual father bread and wine. And that bread and wine, he feeds him and then he pronounces a blessing over him. And the New Testament tells us, it's in Hebrews, it tells us when we're reading through Genesis 14 and we're looking at this guy named Melchizedek who is, his name means king of righteousness and he is the king of peace and he ministered 
bread and wine. He's a priest of God Most High and he ministers bread and wine to the Father of our, we're supposed to see Jesus in Melchizedek. And so when the father of our faith meets this person who points us to Jesus, receives his body and his blood and receives the blessing that he pronounced over him, the response, the response of the father of our faith was that he, he gave Melchizedek a tenth of all he had. He didn't ask Melchizedek, hey, do you have any needs that I could meet? Um, he didn't look at Melchizedek and say, man, it looks like things have been really rough for you recently, because they hadn't. Melchizedek was a king. He had enough. He had more than enough. It was just the way that Abram, like his faith response to this person who points us to Jesus was that he gave him a tenth of all that he has. This, if, you're, if you've talked about these things in church before, this is before. This is before Moses and the law and the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff. This is, this is just the father of our faith meets the guy we're supposed to see as Jesus receives bread and wine and a blessing and the response of the father of our faith, he established a response for us is to give a tenth of all that he had. And so I just, I wanna be real clear with you. I find this passage, this, like this example of Father Abraham, I find this to be an example that people of faith should follow. It's an act of worship that he would give to this king of righteousness and peace. He, just, he gave him a tenth of all that he had as, as an example. It's just this generous love gift response to the bread and the wine and the blessing. And he just said, I, I'm giving you a tenth of what I've got. And, and so I see in this, I see this a call to Christian people to be, to be givers, not, not as stewards, not as people who are responding to or trying to meet a need so much, but as people who are, who are worshipers of this God who has generously and sacrificially given to us. He has, we are called to give back to him as an act of worship. And I just wanna remind you as we talk about that of the gift that he's given to you. Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and you know it you don't just know it as somebody who's heard about it or maybe read it or somebody explained it to you. You know it experientially. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've experienced this. That though he was rich, he for your sake became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. He has, he has given himself to you so that you can give yourself back to him. And a piece of that is that just somewhere in there saying, you are worth this, Lord, I'm giving you a tenth of what I have. So, so that's like, that was the second thing I wanted to say to you, that, that we, we give, we give as an act of worship, we give as a response, God has called us that. So here's the third thing I wanna say to you today. Um, Jesus is worth this. <laughs> You know, we're talking about, we're talking about giving generously, which means, which means writing checks, which means opening our wallet, which means 
seeing a bank account go down. I mean, like just, it means a lot of things. We're talking about giving generously as people who are giving as an act of worship and giving out of love. So can I just tell you that Jesus is worth this? And I wanna take you to Revelation chapter five. This is the song of heaven. This, this song is going to be sung for all eternity. The revelation is that God gave the apostle John a glimpse of the future. And he let him see the future. And so some of these things that he saw and was able to write down for us, these are the things that happen, not just, some of them happen just once, but some of them continue to happen for all of eternity. And, and one of the things that, that John got to a little preview of is he got a preview of, of the songs and the declarations of heaven that will ring for eternity. And this is one of those. In Revelation chapter five, verse 12, worthy is the lamb, and that is a statement of Jesus. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. He entered into death on a cross so that you and I could become rich through his poverty. You know, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And for those of us who are Christian people, for all eternity, we are going to hear and participate in these kinds of declarations just it seems like in heaven, it just seems like every once in a while something just stirs the population of heaven and there's these, these moments, waves of, of worship and worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power. The kings of the earth will come and bend their knee to the lamb, the king of kings. He's worthy to receive power and wealth. The the gold, the silver, the jewels, the, the money, the what, like he is worthy to receive whatever it is you and I have, he's worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and for all eternity you and I are going to join with that chorus of people who says Jesus is worth this. Because when we talk about being generous and sacrificial, we're talking about giving up something we love. And the Bible's very clear that part of the human condition is loving money. And we're in this constant struggle of, do you, do, you love, do you love money or do you love God? And you can't serve money and serve God. And so we're in this, this constant struggle as human beings. Money is one of our, like it's one of the idols that we struggle with. And, and it's something to be laid down at Jesus' feet, which it means for us that that means it's a sacrifice. We're giving up one thing that we love for something and really someone that we love even more. And for all eternity, we're going to get to participate in this amazing, amazing song that says, you know, whatever we gave up in this life, whatever we gave up in this life, Jesus is completely and totally worth that. Because, because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was, he was rich, for your sake, 
he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He, he loves you completely, totally, perfectly, forever, and, and whatever you offer to him, whatever you lay down as a sacrifice to him in that moment and in days ahead, for all eternity, what you will, what you will say, what you will declare is Jesus is worth this. Worthy is the lamb to receive power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. He's, he, is, he is worth this. So we're gonna, we're gonna finish our time together today by taking communion. So those of you who are here in the room, if you'll grab your cup, those of you at home, if you'd go ahead and get your stuff ready. Just a moment, the worship team's gonna lead us in a song to kind of prepare our hearts for, for communion. But I wanna remind you, as they, as they lead us, I wanna remind you of that moment the father of our faith experienced with the guy who's supposed to point us toward Jesus. He received bread and wine and blessing. And so we're gonna sing this song together and then I'm gonna come back and lead us through receiving the bread, the wine, the blessing that our Lord Jesus gives to us.
talked about this grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this willingness to enter into death so that you and I can be forgiven of our sins. You connected that as resurrection from the dead so that you and I could receive life. This is a moment for people who believe. And maybe, maybe this is your moment to believe that you need to be forgiven and that Jesus is your forgiver. And, and so in this communion act, you're just gonna receive this, this grace that God wants to give to you through his son. This bread, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, Jesus was with his followers and he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he, and he broke it and he gave it to him and giving it to him, he said to them, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Take your cup. his blood to be shed so that ours didn't have to. He told his followers that same meal, he gave him the bread and a little bit later he gave him a cup. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This, this is something you all need to do, drink from this, all of you. This cup is my blood which is poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. From God's perspective, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Drink from this, all of you, receiving his forgiveness. Let's drink together. pray for us. Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? Father, thank you for your generous sacrificial gift to us. You're the first and greatest giver. You are a picture of generosity. your people. Jesus, thank you 
for not holding on to the privileges of being Son of God and God the Son. For taking on flesh and blood, for living as one of us, for dying a sinner's death. you love us and we honor you as, as the risen Lord so because because you are a generous and sacrificial giver because that is your love language for us generosity, we want to we walk in that so, that so that people see you in us. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. It's been great to be with you guys. Thank you for being here, for making this a priority for yourself, for your, for your family, your spiritual life, your spiritual well-being. It's, it's so good to be with you. Thank you. So those of you who are here in person, if you would uh, hang where you are, you can stand up or stay seated, however you wanna do this, but the ushers are gonna come let you guys out of here. It is really good to be in worship with you. May God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you next weekend.